All right, so you have a team and now what? What are the first things that you're going to do now that you are in a leadership position? So the first thing is that you're going to take a big, deep breath. So the reason why you're going to do this is because oftentimes when you uh, become or, or when you have a new leadership position, whether it's your first leadership position or whether it's a new one, there is a lot of things that come with it. So you might have a lot of excitement because it's something that you always wanted and you're really, really thrilled about it, which is a great energy. At the same time, if you take a deep breath, that helps you to focus and to really look at things and see, okay, so now this is what I need to do, or actually I need to go this way, or maybe from the things that I've done in the past, these are the lessons that I have, and now this is what I need to take forward and this is what I need to change moving forward. And if you are a little bit anxious, or if you have already started and you felt a little bit lost, um, taking a deep breath is going to help you to center a little bit, leave that alone, uh, that anxiety like flow away a little bit and um, really focus on, okay, so that happened. I felt a little bit anxious. What are the things that I can do now to be more reassured in my position as a leader? Having taken a deep breath, then the first thing you are going to do is to look at different resources you can have to help you to be a very good team leader. So right now you are here. So for example, this platform is an example of a resource that you can come back to whenever you have a question or whenever you want to explore a certain topic about leadership development. So this is an example of one of the resources. Other resources can be books that you want to read. It can be uh, looking up people that you admire who are in leadership positions and seeing how is it that they handle certain situations. What are their philosophies? What are their approaches? So looking at people that are going to inspire you, that are going to be your role models, finding role models so that you can find um, a light or find the direction of where you want to go towards and to be clear about what that direction is. So that's like the second thing you can do. The third thing is to uh, actually find someone who is going to support you and to work with you throughout the way while you are managing your team. So this can be a coach or a mentor. And here's the difference between a coach and a mentor. A mentor is someone who has been through the experience that you are going through. So in this case, someone who has been through uh, leading a team and they are going to guide you um, to do the same thing as they did. So they're going to give you like the steps. They're going to say, okay, so do this now. And then afterwards, do this now. And then afterwards, do that. And they're going to give you the steps that are going to follow their own methodology or the, the way that they have done it. So it's based on their experience. Their advice is based on their experience. A coach, on the other hand, is someone who is going to ask you questions. They can give you some suggestions. Actually, this is debatable. Some coaches agree to give some suggestions to the coaches. Some coaches don't agree with that uh, approach at all. So it depends on the coach that you're going to have but some will give you some suggestions. However, most of the things that they're going to do is that they're going to ask you questions. They're going to have exercises and propose exercises for you to find what is the real way to go. What is the way 
from all of the options that you have, what is the one that makes the most sense for you? So they are going to ask you, okay, so what is the final outcome that you want to have? And what are the options that you have? And from those options, which ones serve your goal and which ones don't? And from the ones that serve your goal, which one is going to be the one that you're going to choose to follow? And how are you going to implement it? So they have a much more Socratic approach. They, they ask much more questions than giving direction. That's essentially a big difference between having a coach and a mentor. You might have both. You might have just one. You can choose whichever uh, option makes sense for you. That's going to be the most important thing. It's for you to understand, okay, um, I want to have a mentor because I want to have someone who's been through exactly the same thing that I did and who's going to tell me exactly um, what to do. If you're going to go with a mentor, make sure that this mentor is also a role model of yours. So make sure that the outcome that they had is what you want to have. And also make sure that they worked in the same field that you did. Managing a sales team and a software team is completely different. Managing a team of a company that is working in a certain industry, for example, retail, and a company who is working in um, a tech industry is completely different. So make sure that if you find a mentor, find someone who is specific to your own experience because they're going to be sharing their experience. So if you get someone who comes from software development, but you're you know, leading a sales team, they can have very useful insight, but it's not necessarily going to help you manage your sales team. So really focus uh, on finding a mentor that serves you. If you have a coach, a coach um, is also good that it's someone who understands people management and someone who understands team management because um, the coach also, when they understand a certain topic, and that's why coaches are specific in niches, they also have experience in a certain niche. So they identify certain patterns. So if you're going to work with a coach, make sure that you work with someone who works in the field of leadership and of team management because they are going to have the experience from working with their own clients to identify certain patterns in people management. So not in sales or not in development, not in any of these different things, but in people management. And they are going to help you to identify those patterns as well and to understand how to navigate them. So. Um, yeah, these are other examples of how you can find a network of resources for you to be able to develop your skills. Then the third thing is that you're going to be focusing on your goals. What are your goals? And this is going to, you're going to do this first individually and then secondly with your team. So first individually, first you're going to sit down and write down what are going to be your goals. Your goals for how you want to lead your team your goals for the environment you want to have in your team, how you want people to work together, what kind of environment you want to have. And finally, the goals for performance. What are the goals that we want to have at the end? What is the number of sales or of recurring revenue we want to have? What is, uh, um, I don't know, we want to, in software development, you might go with speed or you might go with, you know, we are developing a certain amount of features per month. So what are the performance metrics that you want to have for your team? And for this, I would suggest that you choose between one and three, no more than that. If you choose more than that, then it's going to be a lot, a lot of clutter. And then you're going to do this with your team as well. So you're going to get together with your team. And again, depending on your leadership approach, you might either tell them what the goals are for performance and, uh, or you might have a discussion 
about what are you know the goals that make the most sense. However, and this is why the strategic thinking is important, and I've mentioned this previously, developing your strategic thinking is going to be one of the main important skills for you to um, be a good leader as well. Because imagine that you've defined that your performance goals are um, to reach a certain amount of uh, recurring revenue, let's say. And then when you are discussing with your team, uh, someone says, oh, actually, I think that we should go by number of clients that we close. And you can see that this is completely different. And if you want to have a fully democratic approach, at this time, you're going to have to be a little bit more assertive or to have a coaching approach and to ask them questions to kind of make them realize that the number of clients doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be sustainable for the company. So let's say that you're going to have a thousand clients and each of them pays you one euro one time. That means that even though you had a thousand clients, which sounds really, really good, you made a thousand euros. That's it, non-recurring. However, if you have 10 clients and each of those 10 clients is giving you a thousand dollars even though it's uh, much less clients they're giving you a thousand dollars and let's say that they're doing that recurring then suddenly you have ten thousand recurring uh, revenue and kind of really keeping in mind what is the strategy and the goals of the company when you are discussing your goals with your team if you want to have like this approach uh, of coming together which i do believe is um, a good approach to have people coming together, keeping in mind the goal of the company. And if the goal of the company is to have a certain amount of ARR, for example, or MRR, uh, then the number of clients is probably not a good metric. And for software development, you also have to think about what is the goal of the company. So are you developing new features or are you doing other things? Or do you have a lot of technical depth that you need to handle? So what is going to be like the metrics? The same thing for marketing. What is going to be, what is the purpose of having marketing in the company? Is it for you to have a certain positioning and you are going to be measuring things externally or is it about lead generation? So keeping these things in mind, then yes, you can define what are the main goals for the team together with the team. As long as you keep in mind this focus and you bring this already as um, you frame this kind of work with the team that, okay, we're deciding our goals to achieve or, or deciding our metrics, our performance metrics, to achieve like keeping in mind that our goal for the company is to generate more leads or is to develop more features or is to do this or is to do that. So that's the first thing you're going to do is to talk about the goals. And this is going to be something that you're going to do together with your team. After that, you are going to schedule individual time with the people in your team. Now you can do this depending on where you work and your settings and yourself. You can do this like in a meeting room in your company or you can do this like super informally and go and have a drink or you know, go for a walk or it really depends on you how you want to adapt this. But the essential task that you're going to do is that you're going to schedule something individually with each person in your team. And this is going to help you to get to know them and help them to get to know you. So there's no great goal here yet. It's just really to bond together and to see like, do you have common interests or I don't know, what are the interests of the other person? Um, just kind of getting to know each other without a specific agenda of having like a specific output. And I think this is probably the only time that I'm always going, that I'm going to tell you to do something that doesn't have a specific output. 
but this is really important so that you go along, you get to know the person, they get to know you, and this kind of creates a, a, a little bond that you can like build on top of in the future as well. So this is going to be something that you can schedule. And of course, since it's going to be individually, you're not going to do this all together with everyone at the same time. So each person you're going to have a certain amount of time allocated to be talking with them and getting to know them. Remember, if you don't know your people, you cannot manage them. And if they don't know you, it's going to be much difficult, much, much harder for them to trust you as well. So this moment is going to be very important um, for you from the get-go. And then finally is to have another meeting together with your team where you set up expectations. This means that you're going to decide how is it that you're going to work together? What are the principles and the rules that are going to guide us in decision-making, in the way that we collaborate, in the way that we work together? What are the ways that we're going to use? Are we going to use certain systems like, uh, I don't know, certain platforms for managing our projects? Are we going to use Agile, Scrum, Waterfall? Whatever you want to discuss that needs to be clear, you need to have this conversation. And it's a conversation, which means it goes both ways, which means it's not just your expectations for the team and for how you want the team to work together, but also other people bring their expectations. And then having kind of a conversation and saying, okay, yes, this expectation we all agree with and we all agree that this should happen. Um, but then there's another expectation where, you know, maybe some people find that it's actually uh, going to be a difficult expectation to meet. And if so, you kind of need to be honest and say, okay, it's a really good expectation. We are going to strive to achieve it. But at the same time, because of these and these reasons, or because of this way that we work, or because of these other things, it's not going to be there all the time. And clearing the expectation when things are not going to be like that. That is also essential and needs to be part of the conversation. If you have an expectation conversation where you just talk about, oh, this is how we want to be and everyone agrees to it and there's no discussion whatsoever and no one is saying, okay, that's not going to happen. That's, for me, it's a little bit of an empty conversation because the people are just saying their expectations, everyone is agreeing and then you go to real world and uh, people agreed to things that they knew from the get-go that they could not fulfill. And then you're going to have frustration that is going to build up as well. So make sure that you clear expectations, both for the things that can happen, that will happen, that everyone agrees with, and the things that maybe are not going to happen 100% of the time. And negotiate there in that moment of talking about expectations. Okay, um, this is good, but it's going to happen in these situations. But in these situations, we're not going to meet that criteria and that has to be okay because right now it's just not feasible. Right now there are other things, other expectations that are more important that we fulfill instead of this one. So having this discussion is going to um, set up like how you work. So it's going to prevent frustration from work. It's going to prevent a lot of conflict as well. And it's going to already set out the rules of how you want people to work. And um, then you just, uh, well, just then you kind of uh start building a way to living up to those expectations and it's something that everyone agreed to as well so that's kind of foundational 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 and that is how you're going to start with managing your team is by doing these five things so 
Uh, let me know if these five things worked for you and subscribe if you haven't yet and share this with someone who needs to hear it. Share it with a colleague, with a friend, maybe even with an enemy. Um, we want to reach leaders worldwide. We want to democratize leadership and we want to reach 10,000 people by the end of this year. So it's with your help that we're going to do that. So please do share it and I will see you next time. Bye.